Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store. Just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the word of God. Well, this morning, we are starting a new series called Pray. Um, And it is just one of those things that I thought, well, golly, we might want to take a look at what it means to have prayer in our lives. And so we'll spend November looking at prayer in various aspects. If you have your Bibles this morning, you may flip to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to spend a little bit of time. And if you do not have a Bible, there should be ones tucked in the seat underneath you. They're blue. And if you don't have one tucked under the seat underneath you, you can say, excuse me, to the person next to you. And you can reach under their seat and grab a Bible. I'm sure no one will mind you reaching for that Bible. So as you guys find Matthew chapter 6, um, I wanted to, uh, to start off with just a definition of prayer. Um, anybody want to just kind of shout one out? Anybody got an idea? Meditation. Pardon? Meditation. Meditation, okay. Talking to God. God's Word, right? Okay. All right. These are aspects, right, of prayer. I struggled with this because as I sat down at my office uh, desk this week to go prayer, we're going to talk about prayer. What is prayer? And that was the first, I keep a sermon journal, like I've told you guys before, of thoughts and questions I ask myself as I approach the text. And my first question was, what is prayer? Because if I don't understand what prayer is, I don't really know how to apply it to my life. So I went looking for a really good definition of prayer, and I turned to the Westminster Catechism. Any of you guys familiar with that? Okay, so in case you don't know, the Westminster Catechism is a statement of faith that was kind of penned and put together in the early 1600s, okay, by some really smart church folks. And it offers a really um, solid statement of faith of things that we believe, from who God is all the way to how a Christian should live their life. And it's done in the form of a series of questions and answers. And so it's a really great way to sit down and A, teach yourself some really good basics, or B, teach your children or your grandchildren some basics. So it'll ask things like, Who is God? And then it answers the question and gives you some scriptures to follow through with it. Why do we believe the scriptures? And then it gives you some scriptures and why. And then what is prayer is one of the questions. And so I wanted to uh, give you the definition from the Westminster Catechism. Okay, And this is the shortened version. I'm going to read you the long one. What is prayer? Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God. For things agreeable to his will in the name of Jesus Christ, with the confession of our sins and the thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And I think, wow, that's a really smart people came up with that definition. Because I come up with, I sit in my chair and I talk. That's like, you know, I'm a simple guy and a simple definition is good. But sometimes we need to kind of dig it out a little more. And I really like this, an offering up of our desires To God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Jesus Christ with the confession of our sins and the thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. That is so good. And that is what we're going to look at over the next couple weeks that we have an offering to make and a conversation to be had. And there's also this invitation that God gives us. It's not just an offering of our desires, but it's a conversation because When we, like someone said, it's talking with God, right? 
When we pray, we are talking with God. Now, don't answer this question out loud, okay? Unless you really want to be the only one that raises your hand. How many of you find that in your prayer life, in your conversation with God, in your offering up of time with God, that you find it's mostly you sit and you talk and you talk and you talk and you talk and then you say amen and you get up and you go away from your prayer time? Anybody want to confess to that? Because I... Yeah, that's kind of how I do it sometimes, too. And I'm really working on this, and God is working on me. But prayer, if it's a conversation, then that means it's a two-way street, right? So it's not just that I yak at God, close the book and say amen and walk away, but I must be willing to allow God to have a conversation with me as well. So sometimes in prayer, we need to find time to be silent and to listen to what God would say. Because how many of you have conversations with people, like you come home and you speak to your spouse and you're like, hey, Shelly, I had a great day today and I did this and this and this and this and blah, 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 blah. And then I shut the door and I walk away and I don't let her intersect with that conversation. Any of you think your life would go well if that's how you had conversations? No. And so often we live our faith life like that, faith life like that, and we wonder why we don't hear from God. And we wonder why we don't know God's will. And we wonder why we're struggling with things. And it's because we're talking, but we're not listening. So prayer is an offering up of our desires for things agreeable to God's will in the name of Jesus Christ. But it's also a listening to God after we have offered things up. So it's an offering and it's a conversation. But prayer is also an invitation. Have you ever thought about that? That being able to pray is an invitation into something deeply unique and intimate with the creator of the universe. Now, in the Garden of Eden, God created all these beautiful things, right? And then he made Adam and Eve. And it says in the scriptures that Adam and Eve walked with God. And we sang it today. And they talked with God, right? The elephants did not talk with God. The fish did not blub with God, right? Uh, the snakes did not s with God, right? Okay, so Adam and Eve had this really unique and special, significant relationship with God from the very beginning. The gift of language was something that God gave humankind so that we might converse with one another, but more specifically, with him. So they walked and talked with God, and they had this unique and intimate relationship with him. But then sin, right, entered the garden through Adam and Eve. And that sin impeded and blocked and distracted the desire for Adam and Eve to walk and talk with God, right? They sinned, and then what did they do? Amen? They hid, right? And they hid from God. They heard God talking to them. But they did not respond to God right away because they were scared because of their sin. So we, we must understand that even when we have sinned and we kind of shut down, God is continually seeking us. He is continually having an invitation towards us. He is continually seeking out a conversation with us so that we might offer up our desires for things agreeable to his will in the name of Jesus with the confession of our sins and the thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Prayer is this wonderful thing in our life that is a gift that God has given us, but sometimes we don't really use the gift to its fullness. You guys ever get really good gifts at Christmas and you're like, I love this blender. This is the blender that I have wanted. Anybody want a blender for Christmas? No? Vacuum cleaner? No? A new computer? New iPhone? 
Okay, tech, okay, think of the thing that you want, right, for Christmas, the thing that you would use, whatever it is, okay? You got the picture in your mind, right? And then imagine you get it for Christmas and you're overjoyed, but then imagine you just put it on the shelf and you look at it, but you don't really use it. Wouldn't that be sad? That's what the gift of prayer is for us. We have received this beautiful gift, but we don't often use it. It's on the shelf and we acknowledge its presence and sometimes we, you know, give it a casual look or a casual touch, or maybe we pull it out of the shelf and use it on special occasions, but then we put it away and we don't touch it again. We really need to move past that in our Christian lives. So um, as I was thinking about prayer, the question came to mind, why? Why do we pray? Why is it something that should be part of our lives? Well, here's a few things that I learned as I went through Scripture. Prayer forms us. In the image of Christ. When you pray, you don't just walk away the same person you started off as. If you are really truly having a conversation with the creator of all of the cosmos, the one who set everything into order, then you must be changed after you've had that conversation. You look at all of the moments in Scripture where people came face-to-face with God and had a direct conversation with God, like Moses when he went up on the mountain and the people said, we don't want to go talk to God, Moses. You're our dude. You can go up the mountain. You can have that conversation with him. When he came back down, Scripture tells us that his face was changed. He was glowing with the very presence of God because he was in direct conversation with God. He was talking with God. That was a prayer. It was a two-way street there. God spoke. Moses listened. Moses spoke. God listened, right? And so there was this conversation, and Moses came back changed. Time and time again in Scripture, we see people talk with God, and they are changed because it works like this. When you talk with the creator of the universe, and then you listen to the creator of the universe, You begin to see your life differently, right? Because you express your desires to God, and then God says, I hear your desires. Now let me raise you up to the level of my will and my holiness, and I want to show you your life from my perspective, and I want to point out the areas that do not look like me, and I want to encourage you to live like me. And suddenly you see yourself from a different perspective when you talk and you listen with God. And you begin to see your life and your sins and your struggles and your choices through the eyes of the creator of the universe. And you can't go back from that vision. You can't unsee the things that God shows you. You ever have a moment in life where you see something and you're like, oh, I can't unsee that. I wish I could unsee that, right? Well, prayer needs to be like that. But that's a good kind of thing. You approach God with your life. And he goes, oh, I love this and this and this and this needs some work. And when you see that through the lens of prayer in the eyes of God, you can't unsee that. You have witnessed the things through God's eyes that need to change in your life, that need to be encouraged, that need to be um, sheltered and grown so that you can become like Christ. Prayer will form you into the image of Christ when you see how he sees you how cherished and how deeply loved you are, but also the areas that need to be refined, you can't unsee that, and life must be different. Every single time you close out in prayer with amen, thank you, God, your life should look different, more like Christ, because you have sat at the table, knelt at the altar, laid in the bed of prayer, and you have met 
with the creator of the universe. He has formed you to be in his image, right? So that's important. Prayer forms you into the image of Christ, but prayer also informs you, right, of the will of Christ. It's not just that it forms you into his image, but we often wonder, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do in this situation or that situation. Should I take this job? Should I move? All of these things. And when we pray, when we have a conversation with the creator of the universe who actually happens to know all things, okay, we become informed of the will of God. Who wants to know the will of God for their lives? Anybody? Yeah, I do. Guess what? Pray. Because prayer will do this. Prayer informs us of the will of Christ, and it works this way. You submit your life to God in prayer. You put your desires out there and your wishes and your hopes and your dreams and your struggles and your sins and all of the chaos that is your life, and you lay that before God in prayer, and then you shut your mouth and you listen and you ask God to speak to your heart, and he will say one of three things. There are three things that God says, and it may come in many formats, but there are only three things God says, yes, no, and later, right? So when you ask God for his will, for his direction, for should I stay or should I go? Should I wear these socks? Should I take that job? Whatever the question is, right? God will say, yes, this is what I want you to do. And you will get a sense of the clarity of God's will for your life. Or God will say, no, do not take that path. And you will have a sense of clarity of God's will. But maybe sometimes you get the later. This is something good, but hold off a few weeks, months, years. This is not for now, but the nagging passion for it won't go away. And God just kind of lets it simmer and boil and grow and become more passionate until all of a sudden God gives you the green light and then whoosh, you have the freedom to do that thing that you've been praying about for a long time, right? Anybody? Is this resonating with anybody? Okay, good. Okay, so... Not only are you formed into the image of Christ, but it informs you of the will of Christ. So you have at your disposal the ability to look and act like Christ and to live like Christ through prayer, right? Oh man, this seems like mind-blowingly simple. We wander around our lives and we're like, I don't know how I can live this Christian life. I've got sin, I've got struggles, all these things. I don't know how I can do it. I don't know what God wants me to do. And Jesus makes it so abundantly clear when he says, listen, all you got to do is talk to me. All you got to do is just ask for me to speak to you and then listen, right, when I do. Parents, you raise your children and you talk at them all the time, right? But how often do they actually listen, right? You want them to hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. How many of you have said, maybe you don't want to admit this, do you understand what I'm saying to you right now? Can you hear what I have said to you? Because if you heard it, you would do it, right? We say these things as parents and grandparents, right? Okay? Can you, just for a moment, that is what God says to us, right? As we yak at him and then we, we walk away before he is finished saying, and he's left there, and he's still at the table that we have left, and he's like, I am speaking to you. Come back and sit and listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth because they come from my heart. And I want you to partake in the life that I have for you. It forms us in the image of God and it informs us of the will of God. Now, there's one more reason that we pray, okay? And it's because Jesus prayed and we want to do what Jesus does, right? 
And he tells us to pray. And we want to do what Jesus tells us to do. If there is one thing as Christians that we should focus our minds and hearts and lives on, what Jesus did we should do and what he tells us to do we should do. That is what we should be doing. If Jesus said and did it, we should do it, okay? Jesus prayed and tells us to pray, okay? There are countless moments in scripture where we are told to pray. Pray for those who persecute you. And when you pray, it's not and if you pray or, you know, sometimes you pray. And when, it's a definitive statement. When you pray, this then is how you should pray. What about this? Be faithful in prayer. Pray in the spirit. I'm quoting scripture here, folks. <clears throat> Do not be anxious about everything or anything, but in everything, by prayer and petitions. In everything in prayer, okay? What about this in Colossians? Devote yourselves to prayer. How many of us do that? I devote myself to a lot of things, but maybe prayer is one of those things I could be devoting myself to more. First Thessalonians, pray continually, right? Con continually means without end. It just, it goes on forever. Continually pray. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Guys, we should never run out of things to pray for. Jesus prayed and tells us to pray. What about this one? After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside to pray, right? Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. Very early in the morning when it was dark, Jesus got up, left, and went to a solitary place and prayed. Do you get the idea here? Jesus went away to find time alone to pray. Jesus told his disciples a parable that they should always pray and never give up. It's this idea that Jesus' whole life in ministry is dependent on his prayer life. He does not function on a day-to-day -day basis without prayer. How many of you, honestly, function without prayer on a day-to-day -day basis? Sometimes, yeah, right? Jesus leads by example and says, I cannot do what I have been called to do unless I am continually talking with God, unless I am continually being formed in the image of God, unless I am continually being revealed the will of God through prayer. Prayer is very important. Jesus prayed and tells us to pray. Now, if you will flip to Matthew chapter 6 and stand with me, we're going to read a little bit about what Jesus says about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. <coughs> pray then like this, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it's done in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is not just the word of God. These are the words of God for us. You may be seated we could not get a more clear picture of prayer from Jesus, right? Because his disciples had just asked them, um, how should we pray? Like, it's not a question that's new to us. It's a question that even the people that walked side by side with Jesus wondered. They literally talked with God on a daily basis. 
and they ask the question, we don't know how to talk to you. Can you teach us how to talk to you? And Jesus says, yeah, okay. If you want to know, pray like this. And he led them in what we have come to call the Lord's Prayer, right? And we memorize it when we're little and we know various formats of it. And here's how it breaks down. There's a focus on God's holiness. There's a focus on God's will. There's a focus on our physical needs and then our spiritual needs. That's kind of the rough outline of the prayer here. We acknowledge the holiness of God. That was verse 9, right? So let me bust that one back out for you. We acknowledge the holiness of God. When Jesus says, pray like this, he doesn't say start with the things that you need. He doesn't say start with the things that you want. He doesn't say accidentally ramble into how your day was going. Jesus says, pray like this. Begin with acknowledging God's holiness. Remember, you're talking with the creator of the universe, the one who sets the stars in their place and keeps them going. Scripture tells us that God upholds creation in the very palm of his hand, right? And so the God that you are speaking with is the same God who died on the cross for your sins, the same God who rose from the dead three days later, the same God who met with Moses, and Moses' face came back different. And that is why Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. We must give credit where credit is due. The world is not about us, okay? It's about God. We must start our prayers with an acknowledgement of God's holiness because... It puts him in his right and proper place and us in our right and proper place, right? We're not holy, but if we come to the table saying, me, 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 I, I, I first, we have kind of subjected God to be our genie, right? Fix these things about our life. Instead, let's go, okay, let's elevate God where he belongs. And what's the Westminster Catechism say? It's an offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to his will, Right? So we recognize he's God. And then secondly, we say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth right now in my life and in the life around me as it's being done in heaven currently. So again, we approach God and say, God, you are super holy, more holy than anything else in any of creation because you made creation. And so you're holier than creation. And I want your will to be done here and now in my life, which might mean my flesh needs to be crucified. And I'm willing to submit that to you, God, because you're holy and I need to be made in your image. So there's this idea of God is holy. We are being made holy if we submit to his will. But then Jesus says, yes, acknowledge your needs, our daily bread. That's the daily need that you have, okay? Give us the things that we need for Today, which is why I think we need to be praying continually because our needs change from day to day, right? And so we must continually be before God every single day asking for that daily dose of his Holy Spirit to endure the things that he has for us for the day. And then Jesus closes with spiritual needs because the most important thing we have is our spiritual needs. Physical needs, the body's going to pass away one day. Our soul will live forever in one of two places. And so Jesus says, listen, take care of your physical needs because he cares about them. But we must also ask for forgiveness, learn to forgive, right? 
and ask not to be led into temptation. This is the part where we become holy, where we say, Lord, you've pointed out to me the areas in my life which are not like you. Lead me away from those things. And if we're asking, like you guys have prayed the Lord's Prayer before, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is a very real prayer, folks, that says there are things in my life which are not up to the character and the holiness of God. God has pointed them out to me, and I am asking God to lead me away from them. So when you say amen from the Lord's Prayer, you are saying amen literally means so be it, okay? You are saying, God, I have asked you to lead me away from those things. So be it, which means when you walk away from that prayer, you better be willing to follow God away from the things which make you less Christ-like, not run right back to them. You have asked God to intervene in your life in a way to make you formed in his image, right? Informed of his will. And Jesus did it, so we should do it. Our whole... God's holiness, God's will, our physical needs, our spiritual needs. That's what the Lord's Prayer boils down to. And Jesus says we should pray like that. Now, I looked up some statistics. I'm always curious um, what's really happening in the life of prayer, okay, in the United States. Um, Pew Research, are you guys familiar with the Pew Research Foundation? It's one of the bigger uh, research folks that study broad Christian trends in the United States. Um, Now, according to Jesus, prayer is not an option in the life of a believer, right? We've read a few scripture verses already. And when you pray, when Jesus says, and when, it means you ought to be praying, folks. That's the rough modern translation, okay? So it's a command. We are commanded to pray, and if we are going to be obedient to God, then we must be praying on a regular basis. Now, here's what statistics show. Of people in the United States that claim to be Christ followers, only 54% of them pray daily. Okay? Only roughly half of people who claim to be Christ followers are actually praying on a daily basis. And in your mind, you're probably going, I know where I sit in the statistical range there. Okay? That's good. I want you to think about that. Now, think about this. Of those 54%, only 16% are 30 or under. I want you to think about that. Young people aren't praying, okay? Young people, I want you to hear this, and, and I'm only just over this, okay? I'm 33, right? So I kind of technically make the I'm praying more often cut, right? But I want you to think about me as a young person because I will still classify myself in that young people group, okay? Um, young people, 30-ish and under, are not praying, regularly at all they are not connected with the living god of the universe and we wonder why a section of our christian youth are wandering away they don't have relationship with god on a daily basis they recognize who god is but they are not talking with god there is a lack of formation of christ-like character in them there is a, a lack of understanding god's will for their life Young people must pray more. But do you want to know where they learn that? The population that is praying. If you are a population of Christ follower who is praying on a regular basis, do you want to know what you ought to be doing? You ought to be finding a young person and saying, I prayed for you today by name. How can I pray for you tomorrow? 
They need to know that they are being prayed for, that there is a God who is working in their life, right? Because when God works in their life and they know that someone prayed for them and God did something, then maybe they will begin to see, oh, God actually is alive and active and maybe I should be praying. Teach me how to pray. And then you have an opportunity to teach someone how to pray. You can also just grab a young person and say, hey, can I pray with you right now? What's going on in your life? Teach people to pray. This is very important because if only 16% of people 30-ish and under are praying, that is a very sad statistic. And we can do something about that. Jesus wants us to do something about that, okay? Now, here's something else I learned. The poorer you are, the more you pray. Does that make sense? Right? The poorer you are, the more you pray. The higher your income, the less you pray. Let this be a warning. When you get a raise, be thankful and pray, right? Because the more you make, according to statistics, the less you will pray. Why is that? Because you are more confident in your own provisions. But Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. We must continually recognize that what we have does not come from us. Our paycheck, not from us. Not from our boss, not from our employer. Our paycheck is a gift from God, and we work for God. It doesn't matter what you do. You work for God and you give thanks to God for your employer and for their success and the way that you can work with them and the way that you earn an income. But ultimately, everything comes from God. And the more you make, the more thankful you should be, right? And the less you make, really, the more you understand how, how a blessing it is to have, right? And so, Statistics show the less money people have, the more they spend time praying. And probably it's because they are doing those Hail Mary prayers. Lord, I, I don't know if we're going to make ends meet this month. I will do anything if you can just those kinds of prayers, right? But they're praying and God is listening, right? Poverty increases prayer. Now, interestingly, this is what I found. 20% of people who say, we don't believe in God, there's no God, I don't have any relationship with God, I'm a Christian, I don't go to church, I have no beliefs in any way, shape, or form, 20% of people who say that actually pray on a daily basis, right? They're doing better than the 30 and unders who claim to believe in Christ and don't pray. There's something to be said for that. There is a subset of people in our culture who don't believe in God, who don't have a relationship with God, and yet they have more of a relationship with the living God than people who claim to be Christians and don't really pray. Because they're talking with God, and I guarantee you God is talking to them. And God will work on their hearts. And Christians, you need to be aware that there are people among you who are not Christians, friends that you have, that are desperately trying to figure out if God is listening. They don't believe in him. They don't know if he's working. But they're praying to an unknown God, and you know that God, and you can direct them to him, right? So this is something to know just as you go about your life. Last statistic. 45% of people who claim to be Christians read scripture and meditate, it, meditate on it on a weekly basis. Less than half of people who claim to be Christians... Read scripture and meditate on it on a weekly basis. And you think, that's great, they're doing it on a weekly basis. It's not even half of us. Not even half of us are spending time chewing on the word of God and asking God to reveal his will to us. 
like Jesus is really clear. And when you pray, pray continually, pray without ceasing, pray for your enemies, ask for the forgiveness of your sins, seek daily needs, ask to be formed in his likeness. But we're not doing it that often. We can address the majority of the issues in our life if we just bring them to God in prayer on a daily basis. I want to challenge you this week and for the rest of your life um, to pray, okay? And some of you are like, I don't, I, I don't know how to pray. And that's okay, right? I want to give you four simple starting places, okay? One of them might resonate with you. And over the course of the next four weeks, I'm going to put out our midweek moment, which is just like a little short, like, two-minute video that I put out on Facebook, and it goes out through our app and in our weekly email. So if you're not somehow connected with us in that way, please do so. Then we'll give you some uh, tips and tricks, right? There's some apps out there that are fantastic to help you learn how to pray and to remind you to pray, and there's some great tools. I want to kind of put those before you guys, but here are some basic steps you can take, okay? First and foremost, let's evaluate ourselves. Just close your eyes. Answer some questions in your head. Do you pray because you have to or because you want to? Do you pray because all of a sudden you're in desperate need and you have to pray? Or do you actually look forward to your prayer time? Do you pray when you only have a need? Or is prayer an ongoing conversation for you throughout the day? Can you make it through a full day without ever thinking about praying? And do you want to pray but have absolutely no idea how to start it? If you were to sit down before the God of the universe, would you have any idea where to begin? You guys can open your eyes. Now that you kind of have a little evaluation of where you are, there's a few things that we can do. You have to recognize where you are. Look honestly at yourself in the mirror to understand where you need to grow, right? To figure out what needs to be adjusted a little bit, okay? I look in the mirror before I come preach every Sunday, right? And I hope that my shirt is buttoned all the way. And if it's not, the mirror shows me, oops, I misbuttoned something and I have to fix it, right? And it happens on occasion, okay? Because I get dressed in the dark in the morning. So sometimes I have to look in the mirror and figure out what's not right so that I know what to do. So we must evaluate where we are in the mirror according to prayer, and then we must fix some things. So first and foremost, start small, right? You ever know those people that are like the prayer warriors? And you talk to them and they're like, I just spent four hours praying this morning and I've got a few more hours later this afternoon. Like, I look at those people and I'm like, I, I don't, I can't, I don't even sleep as much as you pray. Like, I don't know how you do that. But I love that they do that and I want to learn to do that. And there was this lady in our church in Whitefish. Um, and I went and visited her and she was, I don't even know how old she was, honestly. She's one of those timeless people, right? You know? And she had a chair in her living room. That she had had for, I don't know, it was a timeless chair. She must have bought it when she first got married, okay? Um, and it had, uh, 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 the fabric was worn away on the armrest on one side, all the way down to the wood. And the wood was smooth and kind of concave, unnaturally. It's not like when you sit in a chair like that. And I asked her about it. I was learning to do pastoral visits. And I asked her, okay, um, what's this about? And she goes, this is where I pray every day. Every morning I get up 
and I kneel next to this chair and I pray, and that was where her arms rested every day, multiple times a day, for her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, the church that she attended, the city that she lived in, the national leaders. She prayed so much that she wore wood away, right? Like, I want that kind of prayer life, but I honestly, if I started there, right, I would get discouraged. Any of you try that? Like New Year's resolution, I'm going to pray for an hour every day, and you get five minutes into it and your brain's already on what's next, right? Start small. If you are not in the habit of praying, and that's okay because you can start, right? Start small, right? Get your smartphone out with a timer, okay? Or look at the clock or, um, you know, on the commercial, right? Mute it and pray until the TV show comes back on. One minute, start one minute, because if you are not disciplined in this, one minute can seem like an hour, right? Let's be honest, okay? So if you are not in the habit of praying, find one minute, set a timer, and pray until that buzzer goes off. And when the buzzer goes off, just finish your thought and close. Don't be like, buzzer, oh, amen, okay? okay? It might startle you, but, you know, finish the thought, close it out, okay, and and then end the prayer. But know that there's a definitive end coming, and so you don't feel like, I don't know when this is going to ever end. I don't know how to end this, okay? One minute. Do one minute every day for two weeks, okay? And you'll find you're going longer and longer naturally, right? So bump it up to two minutes or three minutes. Start small and build the habit, right? When children learn to walk, you don't look at your little one-year-old kid and you're like, I want you to go from crawling to running a sprint, right? I expect you to take no steps and then take all the steps perfectly. No. You celebrate that one wobbly step and you're like, yay, and you film it and you share with everybody. And then when they take three steps, yes. And when they can make it across the room, woohoo, right? Because it's a growth process. Let's look at our prayer lives like that, okay? Some of us need to learn one minute at a time, then two minutes, then three minutes, then four minutes. And guess what? If you live like that faithfully, guess what you're going to be like when you're 70 or 80 or 90 or 100? Lord willing, we live that long. You are going to have a prayer life that wears wood out of a chair, and you are not going to be able to live your day without that. I want that. I'm striving for that. I want you guys to want that and strive for that. So start small, okay? Secondly, you need to engage physically. This is a big one. I'm a physical guy. I'm a touch, taste, feel, do kind of guy, right? And so I like the idea of having something to engage with physically as I pray. If I just sit, my mind is going to wander, right? So if you need to engage physically while you pray, then do so. I don't know what it is. Maybe you need to kneel and just the action of kneeling, which is probably abnormal in your daily life, will keep you in that mindset of prayer. And perhaps remember that you are humbled before the throne of the living God, right? And his holiness uh, informs your own holiness, not the other way around, right? And so maybe you need to kneel. Some people I've seen, they pray face down. They lay completely flat out. Maybe you need to do that, okay? Maybe you just need to change where you are and you have a room that you go to that is your distraction-free, no technology, um, minimal, whatever it is, you go there and that's where you pray, 
okay? Maybe you actually need to come to the church, right? And if that's you, let me know. We will find a time. We'll get the doors open and you can come and pray. I want to enable you to be able to pray, but sometimes we need to do something physical, right? And that means sometimes maybe in church you need to come forward. A worship song is just hitting you right where it needs to and you're realizing I need to talk to God. Well, don't feel awkward about it. We are all a people who are like, we like talking with God, and it's not weird if someone wants to come pray. Can I get an amen? amen? Right. So we shouldn't feel weird about coming forward and kneeling. It doesn't mean that your world is falling apart and everybody's going, sinners confessing sin. That's not what it's like, right? Sometimes, but that's what we think. Can we be honest? Like, we don't come forward because we don't want people to look at us and go, what horrible thing is going on in their life? No. Maybe we come forward because we're like, God, you're so good. And guess what happened this week and praise you, right? Sometimes things go wrong and we need to bring that forward, but we need to bring all of it forward, right? So don't be ashamed to come forward. Also, don't be weirded out. We've got a prayer well in the back. Sometimes you just need to physically get up and walk back there and write your prayer down and post it on the wall so that other people can pray for you, right? It's good because we want to pray for each other, right? So do something physically. Start small, engage physically. But maybe you're like, I don't know what to say. I, um, I, I don't know if I've ever talked with God, really. You can pray scripture. Did you know that? Like if you don't have your own words, you can pray scripture. Um, I will give you three scriptures to pray. Okay, you got pencil and paper in front of you. Write these down. A prayer of forgiveness, okay? And you don't know how to begin? Psalm 51. Psalm 51, the prayer of forgiveness. The whole thing's good. Here's an excerpt. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If you don't know what to pray and you've sinned and you have no idea how to approach God about it, flip open your Bible and say, hi, God, I want to read something to you and read Psalm 51, right? And let God speak to you through that. But what about if you are in need of protection? We live in a life that is dangerous and you've got stuff going on in your life and you have no idea how to pray for protection. Psalm 25, okay? These are good. David wrote a whole bunch of prayers. You don't know what to pray, flip through the Psalms. You're going to find something. Psalm 25, consider how many are my foes and what violent hatred they hate me with. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Don't let me be put to shame. I will take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me. I will wait for you. God, right? That reminds us that when we need protection, it's not us. It's God who provides it. Psalm 25 is great for that. What about a prayer of praise? We must not forget to praise God, right? In our prayers. First Samuel chapter two, uh, verses one through 10 is kind of the section there. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like my God, right? We should be praising God. So if you don't know what to pray, flip open to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Read some rich words, right? There's a lot more in scripture we can pray than just those three sections. If you don't know what to pray, Speak God's words to him. 
because I guarantee he hears that, he recognizes that, and the fact that you are submitting yourself to his words will indeed change you. You can pray scripture. Um, lastly, keep notes, right? Any of you keep prayer journals? A few of you? Okay, this is a really good practice. I'm not a real big journaler, but um, I have found that if I write down the things that I'm praying for, A, I don't forget to pray for people that way, right? People are like, hey, can you pray for such and such? If I don't write it down, I'm not going to pray for them. I don't know how. It doesn't stay in my brain, okay? So I do my best on my phone or on paper, write it down as soon as I can after the conversation so that I remember who and what to pray for. But as you're praying, it gives you something to read, okay? And you can pray with your eyes open. That's not weird, folks, okay? So as you're looking at your list, okay, I'm going to pray for so-and-so and then so-and-so and then such-and-such and then this and that and then so forth and so on. But then, as you hear back from that person, oh yeah, my great Aunt Betty's all healed up from the whatever toe thing that she had, okay? Then you go back to your prayer journal and you're like, great Aunt Betty's toe is healed, check. Then the next time you pray, you see the little check mark or the smiley face or the star or whatever you do in your journal, right? And you're like, oh God, answered that. God, thank you for hearing the prayers of your people, right? Important to pray thanks, okay? And then you move on to the next prayers. And pretty soon you're going to see a journal filled with smiley faces and check marks and like things that are circled. And you're like, wow, God really works. And it's great when it's other people's prayers being answered. But when you have a need in your own life and you get to circle it and highlight it and smiley face it and star it and whatnot. And you're like, God answered my prayer. Okay. I will tell you why this is important. Because you're going to go through a dark day sometime. You are going to go through something incredibly difficult. And if you do not have um, an altar to go back to and look at and say, God really is faithful. God really does, hear me. God really does answer the prayers of his people. God really is in my corner. You're going to get much darker very quickly. You need to be able to go back and go, oh yeah, four years ago I see what God did. And oh, six months ago I see what God did. And I know God and his providence and timing will work this out. I will continue to pray. And then eventually you will get to circle that one. And highlight that one, okay? But keep a journal. It's very important. And there are digital ways that you can do this, and I will share with them uh, in the coming days. But there is nothing wrong with a little pocket-sized spiral notebook, right? Whatever you need to do, write it on the palm of your hand, translate it later. Put it down on paper, right? Record your prayers and his answers because it will be a very good habit for you, right? Start small, engage physically, pray scripture, and keep Note, this is very important. These are things that you can do starting now, right? So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to worship. And I'm going to encourage you to pray the words of the songs that we sing, right? You may be singing them, but we can pray while we sing, right? We can pray the words that we are singing. Lord, we recognize how great you are. How absolutely big and immense and holy you are enthroned in heaven above with all of the angels worshiping me. This morning, Father, we want your will, not our own. We submit our hearts and our lives and our bodies to your will and your holiness. We desire to be crafted in your image, not our own. Work in us. Speak to us. Mold us to be like you. Lord, also fix what's wrong in our lives. Give us what we need to make it through the day. 
and continually give us a trail of your manna through the day so that we never go without. But Lord, more than anything else, would you work on our soul? Would you cleanse us of our sin? Would you enable us to forgive those who have wronged us so that, one, we do not harbor bitter angst and sorrow and just anger against people, which is sinful. But that, Lord, when we offer forgiveness to someone else, true forgiveness, it might be a little bit of the Holy Spirit moving in their direction as well. We pray that you would do immense and mighty things, Father. We glorify you above all else. And as we pray today, as we share with you our hearts, may we also hear very clearly your yeses, your noes, and your laters. Speak and have your will with us this morning, Father. And it's in your name, your holy name, that we pray. Amen. Thank you.